0: What's up everybody? I'm David Hain. Welcome to episode 21 of the A to D from Addict to Disciple podcast. I'd like to give a big shout out to the new listeners following us from Japan. That brings our total listeners to 26 countries. Before we begin our interview with Noble Ramsey and his journey from Addict to Disciple, I'd like to play a two-part question I received on Anchor Message. And if any of you have any questions, I promise to get back to you personally and use the topic in future podcasts.
1: Hi, Dave. Um, wow. That's all I can say. Wow. Wow. I'm so grateful and uh, you know, I have such a smile on my face for the mere fact that uh, uh, we were mentioned at the beginning of your podcast. You know, the houting people, you know, wow, <laughs> I love that. I really, really, really do love that. And yeah, we really enjoyed being with you in our group and we have learned a lot. Now about the alcohol and uh, homeless people, I'm learning a lot from this Uh, especially the fact that you need to earn trust from these people before they can open up to you because it is pointless. You cannot be able to help anybody unless you reach to the root cause of the problem because really I agree with you all i'm saying is uh, uh, you need to end the trust from the addict for him or her to be able to disclose the root cause of the problem because if you don't know the root cause of the problem you will not be able to help the addict from the streets or from the uh, problem of addiction so really but the most pro- the problematic thing for me is uh, I can be able to talk to an addict, but what happens thereafter? It is the after care that haunts me because I don't know what to do after that. Don't do drugs, do what? How do I help them?
0: Today, I'm truly blessed to be able to talk to a dear friend who I met around 15 years ago in Lancaster County Prison. Noble was on the drug and alcohol addiction block in that prison and was one of the first inmates to embrace my From Addict to Disciple book, and he was a key member in our group sessions as we went through that book. Today, we'll talk to Noble about his personal journey from addict to Disciple. Noble, how would you describe the Noble that I met? around 15 years ago and your time in addiction that led to your incarceration.
2: David, first let me say that it is an honor and indeed a pleasure to be a part of your Addict to Disciple podcast. We've truly come a long way. The noble that you first met in prison, that was a lost noble who was desolate and destitute for change in his life. David, I had been so consumed with um, chemical addiction till I was praying to God on that September 9th, 2005 for deliverance. That was the day that I was incarcerated in the Likesville County prison.
0: And if I would go back to my recollection, that that desolate side of you brought out a desperation, a hunger for answers. Because from the very first time I met you, you were hungry to figure out how to come right.
2: What I knew is what I didn't know. I didn't know how to stay clean and sober from drugs. But I did know God. I knew him to the extent where I knew that's the only way, the only solution that I had to my problem. But I didn't know how to reach him. I didn't have an avenue to reach him until I met you and other chaplains in that facility.
0: Wow. So what was the first thing that touched you in the From A to D book that you had or from our conversations that started to put those pieces together, which became your transformation journey?
2: It's quite inster- interesting because for me, it was the, um, the level of connection that you had with people like myself. Um, It's the heart that God had given you to reach down into whatever pit that you find many of us in and pull us out or walk with us through that journey. For me, it was the prison, but I am from the streets of Philadelphia. I am familiar with many of the areas that you um, did your outreach and And I'm familiar with a lot of the places that you stepped into to help. So the stories in your book, the testimonials in your book encouraged me to believe that if if you could affect change in the lives of those people in that book, then I should at least place my trust enough in God who has placed you in my life and in doing so. It started to be a dramatic transformation while in the prison. I must tell you that a lot of people believe you get jailhouse religion and jailhouse religion never sticks. But this was a transformation for the better that actually stuck.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And it didn't hurt at all early on that we were both avid Philadelphia Eagles fans. Still are. Aren't we? (laughs) Yes, we are. Yes, we are right awesome so as we got to know each other and you talked about trusting me you know what what made you put your trust across racial lines across chaplain you know I was the addictions chaplain across chaplain inmate lines you know there had to be more than than just the link to Philadelphia although that's a good one
2: there was a lot of hurt um, in my life. I had experienced a lot of traumatic events um, leading up to the incarceration. Um, I was born uh, uh, to a 15 year old girl who's, step, who's a foster father who was in charge of being responsible for her molested and raped her and so i was born into this life by a victimized girl and a pedophile father mm. I, was, I was taken away from my mother at an early age so they can the foster agency could hide the evidence i grew up in a foster home not knowing family not knowing brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or aunts and uncles. And I was hungry for an understanding of what that was like. And I grew up bitter and resentful of anyone that had it. Uh, family, I had abandonment issues um, uh, and, and I just couldn't trust anyone because in that foster home that I was placed, there was abuse, both physical abuse where there were strict disciplinarians who did not believe in sparing the rod. And there was molestation in that home Mm -hmm. from um, close family members that should have been trusted, who violated the very trust of a child. And um, I grew up in that foster home hurt and discouraged. And as soon as I got to a, a good age, of 18 and got off on my own. That's when I attempted to escape the reality of my existence. And with that, I turned to alcohol and drugs. So I grew up in a in a life where there was no trust from my part to any anyone, let alone any male figures. But what it was that allowed me to let my guard down this this last time was it was very hard for me to make friends with anyone. This last time, I asked the Lord, I begged the Lord to give me some help to put someone in my life that could lead or guide me through where I'm at. Because at this juncture in my life, I had already knew what I needed to stop doing. I already knew what I needed to start doing. I already know that I needed to pray, I needed to read my Bible, I needed to go to meetings, I needed to stop doing drugs I didn't know how to do any of those things, and he put you and many other people like you in my life, and I reached out with my guard up, if you will, until God and, and as he built this relationship with you and I until God tore down those barriers that would restrict me from getting what I needed to get from. It. And so the mm. trust the trust came slowly over time. Yes. But God revealed to me in my heart the things that I needed to, to to do to change my mind and then again to change my life.
0: Awesome. Awesome. He is faithful when we cry out to him.
2: And and it's quite interesting because there was that rage. There was that bitterness towards others who were living fruitful, productive lives. Um, I could not have right relationship with anyone I had. I I manipulated and abused anyone that entered into my life. And not only that, I... Um, I medicated myself to try and numb the feeling of being thrown out on a trash, heap, if you will, thrown out, um, thrown out, not wanted and discarded. And that's how I felt most of my life about um, being, taken away from my mother.
0: Our podcasts are probably very quickly going to end up being played to inmates in prisons in Kenya. And many of them deal with fatherlessness and abandonment and being street kids. And And I'm just wondering what are some words of encouragement that you could give to men and women who are currently incarcerated in prisons around the world?
2: David, I have a seven-page rap sheet. I am a five-time convicted felon who had given up one life. But God, God had other plans for my life. And for many of you that are still out suffering and anguish, over not being able to live the life that God had planned for you, I say stay encouraged. God has a plan for your life that he will reveal to you when you turn to him. He is the source of your help and strength in times like these. You find yourself incarcerated in an institution for a reason. For me, The reason why I was incarcerated is because I cried out to God for help and he placed very important people in my life. He strategically placed people like Dave in my life to minister to my hurting heart. Allow those people that God has placed into your life to minister to your hurts and your pains and your disappointments and leave those burdens where you sit. Leave them there. Walk away from those facilities healed. Walk away from those facilities delivered and set free. And I dare tell you, your in prison is not. Your prison is not in the cage that you find yourself. Your prison can be in your heart and your mind, and you'll need to have a changed heart that only God can change. And you need to have a changed mind that only the word of God can give you. Stay encouraged, my brothers and sisters. There is a better way to live your life. Change is right around the corner. Do not give up. Do not quit. Never, ever give up.
0: Awesome. I wanna thank you so much for, for your time today, Noble. This has been inspiring and encouraging to me and I'm sure to all of our listeners. If you have another nugget of wisdom, I, I can't deny you. So if there's anything you wanna to say to to guys on the outside who are still struggling with their recovery, falling in and out of of use again, what is it about your journey from that you would like to pass along to say similar to what you just said to those incarcerated?
2: I never knew, and I still don't know, when God removed the obsession to use from me. I was consumed with the getting and the using and the ways of getting more till I couldn't live my life without drugs. I couldn't imagine my life without drugs. And I know many of you guys find yourselves in that position right now. Trust God. Trust him. He will take the obsession from you. Maybe slowly, maybe instantly. I can tell you, I'm asking you, do not leave, do not quit on life before the miracle happens. The miracle will happen. For me, God has blessed me so immensely. But it took for me to be obedient to God, to be obedient to God. And then he then gave me the desires of my, of my heart. I have a very beautiful wife. God has blessed me t- to be in the ministry work. I currently work in a facility for adjudicated youth And a pathway to recovery program, dealing with kids that are addicted to drugs, mood-altering chemicals. God has turned it around for me, and I can tell you this with all certainty. For 19 years of active addiction, if he can turn it around for me, he'll do the same for you. Trust God and be obedient to whatever he tells you to do.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the A to D from Attic to Disciple podcast. I hope everyone has been encouraged by Noble's journey from addict to Disciple. Tune in Monday for our next episode as we begin to look at aftercare with Ricardo Sloster from Mitchell's Plain, Cape Town, South Africa, and his re-entry into community and family life after more than a decade in prison. If you'd like to contact me regarding a Q&A session on addiction, speaking engagements, addiction coaching or consulting, or to utilize the From A to D curriculum and podcasts in your location, please go on my website, www.fromatod.org, and click on the contact page, or leave me a message on Anchor. As always, stay safe and stay strong!